Hey everyone, how's my tribe? Thank you for joining today on Healing Chronic Illness with Marley podcast. You know I'm a big neuroscience buff and brain training is so important to bring you relief from chronic illness. You should start with brain health first and foremost before you do anything else. And on a past podcast, I talked a little bit about the Dr. Land NASA study in 1968 where they they studied the progress of genius activity in adults. And at the end of their adult study, they determined that only 2% of those large group of people ended up to being genius. And then they decided that the other 98% of population are those people that apply ideas. So divergent thinking and that creative process allows our brain to tap into new possibilities and allows us to be open-minded and it's the acceleration on our life. Now the convergent brain which most of our society operates under is about applying and testing procedures and judgments and what it does is it puts the brake on things. So unfortunately as we develop and mature into adulthood and into society and culture we go a lot less from the divergent part of our brain into the convergent part of our brain which is kind of sad because the divergent is where we tap into creativity and to change and to you know all that stuff and that joy and wonder that we had when we were kids when we played and our imaginations just took off so I was really excited to have the opportunity to bring on a couple of guests today, and um, they have they have a new book coming out. But let me introduce you to them. We have Miss Andy Ashworth and Mr. Charlie Peacock with us today. Welcome, guys. Hey, thank you. Hello, hey, everyone. Hey. So, Miss Andy, you are an author, and you had a book out um, a while back, Real Love for Real Life and the Art of Working Caring. So, hospitality and connection and community brings healing for people. So, just just excited to have you here and talk about your new book that is called Why Everything That Doesn't Matter Matters So Much in the Way of Love in a World of Hurt. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, do we get that now in our society. So yeah. it's timely and I'm excited to have you share about it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Marley. Yeah. So how did this get inspired from give me give me a give me a launching pad of how this came to be, you guys. Sure, sure. Well, the context for it is is that we've both been writers since we were kids, um, and just developing um, to the point where it became part of our sort of vocational package for each of us. Um, so it's very natural for us to write. Whether I mean, Andy writes every day. She's she's been. Um, a journalist, a diarist for um, most of our adult life. And mm. so I think just right up here in the cupboards that you can't see, you know, there's probably what, 52 journals yeah, something or something like that. Like yeah, that. Just... <laughs> you know, so we can go back and a anytime, lot of history. Anytime I'm like, hey, remember in 1992? Like, Let me check. You know, oh, I so, love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So writing is a big part of our life. And then um, we uh, founded an organization um, many years ago uh, called Art House and then mm -hmm. later Art House America. And we have some other sister organizations around the United States. And 
as a result of that organization, I mean, we we did end up writing quite a bit for that, and and then being asked to write for, uh, you know, contribute a chapter to a book here or there, mm-hmm. or essays and articles and journals, and so we collected a ton of writing, you know, over the last thirty years, mm-hmm. and um, and then we just started at one point. I, I will take responsibility for it. I asked the question and said, you know, hey, what if we were to compile some of these essays, right? And um, Andy was a little bit excited about that, <laughs> not totally excited, because she really wanted to be writing something new. Oh. Well, she kind of got her wish because our book agent um, pitched this essays idea and we were wanting to do it kind of really low key, you know, mostly for the art house organizations and a few other sister organizations. And um, our agent went out and found a publisher, uh, HarperCollins W and Mm -hmm. and they were like, we love this, you know, Mm. and, and we don't want to just publish your old essays. We want to hear you write from your perspective today on these same topics. Mm -hmm. So that's what we ended up doing. And that's what this book is. And so Andy, did it change a lot from the essays before to your perspective today? And what was the major shifts you've seen that you shared? Uh, Well, what we ended up doing and, and I just, once we got caught the vision for it, we loved doing it. Um, We, we wrote letters that's mm-hmm. what the book is. It's a collection of letters. And once our uh, our editor said these magic words to us, pour it all out. This mm-hmm. is your chance to say, you know, mm-hmm. anything that you wish you would have said and you didn't say. So as we began again to sit in the chair and, you know, for me, writing is so much of a I don't really have outlines. I I write to see what I'm writing, and I, hmm. uh, you know, am very dependent on the Spirit of God to lead me <clears throat> along the way. So they changed in that I am 68 years old now, and I have lived many things, lived a lot of stories. And so I have a lot of perspective. I have things that I like to tell the readers that I would do differently if I were, say, beginning a hospitality um, ministry in my own home. I would begin in a very different way that allowed for uh, for a lot more good health and good mental health and good mm-hmm. physical and relational health for mm-hmm. us and for our family. Um and let's see, I, you know, I wrote about how cooking has been a, a place of real vocation for me because of the hospitality, but also that I understand it's something we need to learn to do <clears throat> to feed ourselves, but it's right. also a way that we really serve other people and, um, Break bread together, right? Break bread together and give to others through Mm -hmm. that way. So, um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of things that we talk about each from our own kind of in our, in our callings together, but also separately. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, so I think perspective at this point and just being, uh, you know, sharing very honestly about our stories, everything from, we both have experienced chronic illness and still do. And, um, those stories and how they have shaped and are shaping us even Part of your now. story. Yeah, Uh -huh. for sure. So how long have you guys been married? We are coming upon 49 years Mm -hmm. in May and we've been together since we were in, uh, sophomores in high school. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. A long time Right. in Northern, Northern California. Northern California. Mm And hmm now you live in Nashville and that's where you have your your art house. Is that where it We is? don't, we actually don't have the building anymore. Yeah, Oh, okay. we, we were, moved from it um, yeah, it existed. more than nine years ago now. Yeah, it existed as an art house for about Twenty four, twenty five years. no uh, longer than Wow. that because Oh, okay. of Nate and Cassie, Oh, that's right. almost Yeah. 30 years. That's amazing project. But Served yeah, its time. it Yeah. did. And if, if it's okay, I mean, when I hear Andy telling, telling her story, I, I want to jump in and say, Let me give the listeners some context because we all work in hospitality. We Uh in all, some degree, right? yeah, Yeah. to, yeah, we're we're uh, especially people who are conscious of the calling of hospitality Right. to one another and to neighbor. Yeah. So the context that I would want to give in terms of this whole art house idea, if, if we could like put a picture in your listeners' mind, is that we lived in a old turn of the century. uh last century <laughs> church right so 100 you know was 120 years old now um that had been converted into a home and offices and recording studios and so when we say like you know we were doing hospitality that means that every single day of our life you know for the entire time that we lived on that property people came to our home every day And employees came to our home every day. Everyone needed to be fed. Um, and then we had ongoing projects that were art house projects where it could be an artist retreat. It could be a weekly Bible study. It could be a four-week seminar, you know, all of these different things. And so when Andy says hospitality, it's not just the neighbor dropping over Yeah, for dinner. like Yeah. like literally we have had thousands of people through our home and fed as many i think probably the most people we ever fed at once was a hundred maybe maybe more than that but Wow. somewhere Mm -hmm. So around what there you're telling me is that you're, you didn't really have a designated space necessarily, and you didn't clock out very often. No, What? because we Yeah. lived there. This was our Yeah. Right. home, Yeah. You didn't. as well as recording studio. So So, when she says I would yeah. do something different, I mean, Yeah. that's a pretty No, great I, reveal. yeah. I Yeah. have some margin with that. And I think Right. we, I, Right. looking back for me too, I would have been able to, you know, I read all the Clark and Townsend boundaries, but I was terrible at it because when you're called to ministry or called to bring people to point them to Christ, you, your, your on button can be pushed in, you know? So what I find really interesting, and I wanted to um, have you guys talk a little bit more about that because that does, you know, these podcasts are very organic <laughs> and it's funny that you bring, bring that up on doing things a little differently. Like what would I tell my younger self or, or in my letters to encourage other people out there? How can you 
serve your fellow man and be the hands and feet of Christ, mm-hmm. but still wear your oxygen mask so that you don't yeah. suffer burnout. So I know for me, at one of my illest points, I was working with a practitioner and he 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 lit me up with truth when he said, Marlene, you're not struggling so much and feeling depressed because of your illness. It's because of your illness is keeping you from doing what you want to do and serving others. And he hit the nail on the head. And so what I think is interesting is you, you have some um, questions for book study in the book, but I want you guys to answer these for me mm-hmm. with this sure. context, uh, context. So um, one of the questions you say is, have you experienced a time recently when you struggled between the desire for rest and the need to press on and how do you decide which was more necessary and if you live it and have it in your home and you would have done things differently how how would you answer that question you want to take me <laughs> um well I, I will tell you that right right now we we are kind of in an overwhelmed place because we're mm-hmm. promoting a book and right. doing you know many other things and kind of that that need to push on and take care of the many details of the day is there. And yet also even greater now with age and mm-hmm. just knowledge, mm-hmm. age and knowledge is also the need to uh, know that we need to treat ourselves well and treat each other well and treat our bodies mm-hmm. well and have good food to eat and mm-hmm some rest time and uh you know the sabbath principle of a a day one day out of seven to cease worry and work and Mm -hmm. all of those things that were very hard learned Mm -hmm. in those very crowded years um so you know we're struggling with that a little bit again right Mm -hmm. now but but in the days when i when i was thinking about you know, what would I change? I really, well, self-care is, you know, it's, it's, it's there, but I think we, we hear that so much. It mm-hmm. has become like, I don't know, uh, maybe a little cliche, but, yeah. but yet still very necessary. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so for me, that has always been smaller smaller things that are actually doable Mm -hmm. um and uh and then there is you know like just practically speaking i came to a point where i was doing a lot of work with a therapist this was about eight years ago we were in a very hard time with illness and going through relational difficulty and Mm -hmm. she said to me what do you need and that felt so wrong to me. Yeah. That felt selfish, right? How can I how can I even think about that right now? Mm-hmm. But it was so right mm-hmm. because it is so human and so legitimate and so right and God-given to have needs. Yeah. And so I really thought about that. And um Did it take know, you a while to answer her? It did. I mean, we were, we thought about it together for, for quite a long time. And, 
I can't, I can't, yeah, you jump in because I'm not, can't remember what the beginning of your question was or if I'm answering um, it. Just a time where you've struggled, where you feel that need to press on versus yeah. rest. Because, I mean, I did last yeah. night. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I did last night. I was in the, I had a problem come up that like, you know, eight o'clock at night mm -hmm. and it was classic old school charlie peacock music business you know mm -hmm. you gotta get it, it done like right? is right. yeah it was like okay uh you know what we always used to say is you know you gotta pull pull the ox from the ditch you know <laughs> and um yeah i was very angry about it actually mm -hmm. i did not want to do it i yeah you know it's sort of like this is not my life right now you know, this is not. You're not 25 you know, pound I, in the pavement anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. Yeah. And not just even in terms of age or privilege, uh, which I have both, but also just in terms of wisdom. Mm. Like, like this is this is not the way I now know how to live life. Mm. And so um, I'm caught in this moment where between two two good things you know delivering on the promise of something that i said i would do mm -hmm. right and and also realizing that the intensity of my headache is just getting worse and worse and worse right mm -hmm. and and the only thing that i think is going to make it better is to say well to heck with all of it or to just get this job done mm -hmm. finish it and then go lay down, put my cold cap on, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. take some meds and watch Steph Curry play some basketball. Hey, all right. Yeah, you we're know, an that, NBA family too. So that, yeah, so it was definitely, it, it's so real that it was literally happening last mm -hmm. night. And yeah. I, I would want to say, and also say too, um, that I am keenly aware that a lot of these decisions that I can make about my mental health right now or physical health, they are a matter of, of privilege. Um, mm -hmm. be, and so I even feel more responsible to it. You know, the fact that I have that kind of freedom or have the ability to make those choices. Mm -hmm. um, I, I could be a person who literally had to work last night till 11 because I, to put food on the table and mm -hmm. that is not my my case so it makes me want to be responsible to it so that i can show up for life you mm -hmm. know so that i feel well enough that i can show up and be responsible to the things that i really find a lot of delight in which i mm -hmm. do find a lot of delight in giving myself away or giving resources away or, or being present with people and mm -hmm. all of that. But if I'm really sick, I can't be that. No, you can't when you're fragmented and you're running on empty for sure. Yeah. Takes the joy out. And um, well, I mean, with anything, I think if anything I've learned in the last couple of years is that the pace of everything and culture is what the enemies use to cause distraction and division from bringing people together and what really matters in life. And um, so I think self-care and being able to step away and observe 
your health, observe your behavior, observe your stress response to what's going on around you, and then find ways to allow rest to not be something that necessarily escapes stress because we can't, but in still find ways to build resilience to stress. Yeah. And so it makes me wonder, Andy, for you, and then for you too, Charlie, when, when you write and you're being creative in some ways, I mean, you have allowed that to make you feel productive, but at the same time, some people go to work and they're productive and their energy depletes. But the fact that you're doing something that you love and are so gifted and called to do in your writing and your, it allows productivity, but you love the process too, right? So do mm -hmm. you feel like that's relatively easy to do? Because, you know, I think about John Maxwell, he says, do what you love and the money will follow. Mm -hmm. So then there's that being in that sweet space where you, you know, you're doing what you're called to do and there's a grace about it. Right. Yes. I think for me, the sweet spot is in the beginning of writing. The sweet, the, the most wonderful place is to, is to have the freedom to begin to write something new or to write in the moment. Um, mm -hmm. My Saturday morning journaling times are that, just that, it, it's part of my well-being mm -hmm. to do that and mm -hmm. it is that and I'm not writing that for anybody that mm -hmm. is more just a need that has been developed a habit a practice over many years of mm -hmm. just having uh, just once a week to sit down and kind of archive and reflect mm -hmm. and keep history and all of those things but that blank page with mm. a with an actual pin and the page that's just the one that I like you know there there's the nothing, journal, yeah the, the journal that I like with the and to sit there there's almost such a funny anticipation on a Friday night that oh tomorrow is Saturday morning and I'm going to open that book and sit with my cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a really important, it's part of self-care. It's mm -hmm. part of like my, you know, really important practices. It's a sacred and, Saturday, huh? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, but also with a, with a project when it's, you know, on computer and writing at the desk. Again, my, my favorite part is the beginning but also that place where you just kind of get lost in what mm -hmm. you're doing and the time goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also then I'm always dealing, I have chronic back pain. So mm -hmm. sitting and writing has its difficulties as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's a, it's a grace and it's a gift and it has a physical thing that has just gotten harder with the years. So it's kind of all that wrapped, wrapped up mm -hmm. together. Yeah, well, just in giving yourself grace and space to continue to allow for I'm, I'm dealing with the current the sciatic and SI joint issues mm. myself right now. Mm. So yeah, that's hard. Yeah, except I'm on a heating pad. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, so your book that you're sharing about why everything that doesn't matter matters so much. What does that title really mean? 
Yeah. It it ultimately it's just a playful way of saying everything matters. Yeah. You know, that there's no new no neutrality in God's uh, creation, wow. God's cosmos. Hmm. Um and you're either in a sense, we're all at in any moment, we're either moving towards, you know, what Jesus called the kingdom, or mm -hmm. we're moving away from it, you know, those that mm -hmm. that kind of orientation or right. values or commitments and and um and also I think it's it, it gets at a thing about human behavior where people diminish uh activities mm. they'll say they'll demean in fact they demean them you know i mean so much of the 20th century was was spent uh with women um uh, trying to be recognized as contributors to mm. to culture right as vital contributors to culture uh when everyone in the whole world is benefiting from <laughs> From their work right mm -hmm. and no one is legitimizing it right mm -hmm. and so what we what we've tried to do is to develop a theology where there's just no small things you know mm -hmm. there's no small people there's no small vocations every you know it's kind of like everyone's famous right i love that and it and um because we we want people to know that that uh for example i mean we we have been parents, you know, for most of our adult life and have grandchildren. And um, it's been a great delight, you know, to, to see our, the adult lives of our children too. Mm. And um, there's just, to me, if you don't do anything else in your life, if you're a parent and you don't do anything else except raise a great citizen, Mm -hmm. and you have won yeah it's like you're at the finish line trophies mm -hmm. jumping up and mm -hmm. down right so we just want to be an encouragement to people to see that that everything matters every small thing every word of encouragement mm -hmm. every bit of design that you put into life um every good story you tell with your life all of these contribute to the good of the world mm -hmm. and the good of your neighbor and they're just they're just literally are no small things everything adds up i i love that because <clears throat> i think <clears throat> people do struggle with um you know that we're in a competitive culture um mm -hmm. and there's all theories on how we evolved <laughs> mm -hmm. and um I've studied a little bit more about the importance of co-regulation in development with people and <clears throat> allowing that to be a sense of community is where it matters and we all play a part. And, um, and I love what you're saying. I can't, I can't wait, I can't wait to read your books. And have you've got some kind of practical things that you could maybe share what people that are in the community that, you know, listeners can be, very broad. I have listeners from everywhere, but obviously people looking for support and encouragement when their energy is depleted or their health is depleted. What are some ways that you think would be practical for them to feel like that they're able to make a difference? What are some examples? 
You want to give a few and then I'll give, give a couple. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll just tell you some of my, I know, I know we're all different. So we have different mm -hmm. things that fill our cups, so right. to speak. So for me, the small things that are doable are taking a walk, mm -hmm. like having that as a regular thing. And part of that to me is walking with a neighbor and talking mm -hmm. and having mm -hmm. the relational part, being mm -hmm. outside, mm -hmm. um, reading, reading good novels, good mm -hmm. books, well-written books is really important to me. If I don't have you know, or if I'm not being fed regularly in that way, good words coming in, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, you know, I'm just not as good. Um, I'm actually, because I do love cooking it, it's actually helpful to me the time of day when I get up from say sitting at a desk or doing some other kind of work, going to the kitchen into that creative space and be a, and begin creating something. So you don't follow a recipe? For that. Um, no, I do follow a recipe okay. <laughs> and I do both. Okay. But it it is, I've noticed just a time that sometimes it's just about getting through, you know, sometimes it's just it's about we, we need to get, days. we need, yeah, yeah, we need to get yeah. something in our bodies. But mm -hmm. other times it really is a turning to something that I'm going to create something Mm -hmm. in this room and it's going to give us a time a little bit later that evening to to just turn away from what we've been doing come together mm -hmm. you know sit together I uh, love how I love how mindful you are on just putting a meal together and sitting down and the importance of being in the moment and being appreciative it yeah. is I think that's beautiful and I think I went one time wanted to launch a podcast that said stop and smell the roses because I was never good at that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. And in that vein, um, yeah. God has made me a gardener. The garden is important oh, to me. Yeah. Good. Uh, I, being with people is really mm -hmm. important. I love that. I love that. So, so I love that practical ways to serve your family. And if there's extra and take a meal to my my next door neighbor is 80 every once in a while we'll drop a little extra over there so those are the kind of things yeah. that you can do right yeah what about yeah. you charlie yeah i i was just moving our screen over a little bit so i could see my uh desktop uh because i keep something in front of me to to be focused on it right so i have made my own desktop so whenever i'm working i can see the graphics that I've made on there, right? So yeah. I have my core um, of Jesus, of family, of wellness, friends, and of home. And I have a picture of Andy and I together. Mm -hmm. And then I have the things that I steward that are going horizontally. Hmm. So I have like, say my podcast, my music, my books, my film projects, and so then I can say, okay, well, you know, I'm kind of burnt out on this right now. What else was I need to do? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I have to t get back to that. So that can help me oh, yeah. uh, focus. Great visual. Then I have uh, a plus sign and a negative sign and a question mark. So that's there to remind me to the, it's like whatever someone's asking of me or whatever I'm doing, 
am I adding to good mm -hmm. or is this taking away from goodness? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's always there to remind me. Then I have another little circle with text that says, what is hurting me? And where is love in the midst mm -hmm. of this? Mm -hmm. And then I have two more things. I have another little strip that says, basically, is this focus or forecast? Hmm. Because right now in my life, I need to be more about focus rather than forecasting. In other mm -hmm. words, I don't need to invent any new projects right now. Hmm. And, and I'm a big forecaster. So right. one of the things that maturity has done for me is to teach me that I learned a long time ago that I felt better about myself if I was imagining things. Hmm. And then when I got old enough and resourced enough to create them, I wouldn't stop because hmm. that's what made me feel good about myself. Hmm. So I now I have plenty of things to do in this day, right, to focus on. Mm -hmm. So it really would be a wasted effort and actually not good for my health to pause and forecast right. a bunch of things right now that would cause me work, perhaps mm -hmm. affect Andy, mm -hmm. our children, other people. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. And then finally, I have a photograph of a mountain stream to mm. remember that, you know, that's my happy spot. Same. Right. That's my happy place. So I don't know if any of those would help help your listener, but just the I, listeners, the idea of just kind of, I kind of get them out there, put them out there graphically, mm -hmm. and I can kind of report in like literally every few minutes, you know, if I need to get focused again mm -hmm. on, on who I am, uh, who my people are, what hmm. my calling is, mm -hmm. and um, what what the day holds. I love how that keeps you a productive person, but very intentional. And it acts as such a reminder of who you are and what fills and enriches your life with more energy and reminds you of who you are and what you're called to do. Yes. I love that. I, my husband's a um, engineer minded person, so he's all about spreadsheets. So I see that, you know, you've taken a spreadsheet and somehow made it creative. So I love that. <laughs> Wow. So are there any fun or interesting things that you guys are involved in that you'd like to share as well? Because you're both such creative people. And um yeah, just inspire me. What you got? What you got? Oh. Well, you want to talk about your I think the most the thing that is really filling up my time right now is so book related that I'm the most, I think the, this last weekend, I needed a reset. Mm. And I have two, I have four grandchildren, mm. two of them. Um, two of them came to kind of just say, hey, let's have a bake and an overnight. Um, and their company in the kitchen and mm -hmm. doing something creative together was mm -hmm. was actually really medicine for no me kidding. for us for us all to co-create and team yeah. up and love it we tried something i would have never done on my own uh so that that was kind of a declares yeah we did declares and it, it was it was rather complicated yeah. but it was that thing that fills all these things in you. You're making sure. memories that you know they're going to take with them mm -hmm. into their life and say, 
you know, we were loved, we loved Mm -hmm. and we were loved and we made things together and Mm. it'll be a moment. It was a moment then, but it will be a moment in time that they'll take forward and I'll take forward. Amen, sister. When I've done training, I take myself to my grandma's kitchen. hundred percent. I do too. Yeah. That's where I go. I love that. Well, so I have a couple questions and I'm going to let you go. You said you're a gardener and I grew up, my parents were horticulturalists. And so Mm -hmm. I keep flowers Mm -hmm. around me all the time. Mm. Andy, what are your favorite flowers? Oh, well, let's see. Foxgloves. I love, I have grown in the last couple of years to just love dahlias. Oh yeah. They are just the gift that keeps mm-hmm. on giving for it's months like and months. It's like a Victorian paradise, yes, isn't it? Yes. Yes, and I just have a tiny little garden at this point in our life, but mm-hmm. I just cram it full of every kind of flower I can fit in. I, I love, love hydrangeas, you know. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. I love that. Well, I grew up around all that stuff and I love it. I live in Florida now, so everything's tropical and I planted uh, a food forest in my backyard, so we're eating things. Oh my goodness. Ah, oh, it's love that. wonderful. Okay, Charlie, um, question for you. I need okay. to know who's on your playlist right now. Who are you listening to? Uh, you know, I just, I couldn't even tell you the names of what I just recently listened to because I have a younger friend who um, just sent me a playlist of protest music. Oh, okay. interesting. I'll write this and down. I just, I just <laughs> listened to all of these protest songs that are everything from like really left to center indie hip hop stuff, you know, to. Uh, um, are they U.S. based? No, the all over the world. Okay. Yeah, he's he's quite a connoisseur. So I wish I could tell you the names of them. Uh, I don't okay. have it up in front. So of it's me. a new playlist. But if you're out, like, what's your go-to playlist? Oh, I put on eighties well, pop. So what's no, your no, go-to? my go-to playlist <laughs> is. I mean that that what I was describing to you is really just research for my my podcast because I'm oh, going to do okay. I'm going to do an episode on where are all the protest songs. Okay. And, um, no, I mean, I, at, at this point, I going back like a lot of people my age and I just have my greatest hits and I'm happy yeah. with them. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like I was in, like, we watched the Grammys the other night, yeah. which is, which was great and pure torture at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so for me, you know, I mean, hearing Joni Mitchell, mm uh that was like yeah amazing very emotional uh, yeah and tracy chapman yeah um, very yeah that was that was very yeah Mm -hmm. i'm still very moved by the singer songwriters of my generation Mm -hmm. youth you know and um you know one of my all-time favorite songwriters is someone that i've been privileged to work with and they actually lead the saint paul art house and that's sarah groves yeah i think she's just one of the greatest songwriters in the world i think we're related that's my maiden name i gotta figure that out oh yeah Yeah. you need to find out (laughs) um but i was just listening to her the other day and i i teared up again (laughs) i just like oh this music is not something music is so stirring and so healing right Yeah. yeah so so in our kitchen i mean a kitchen is really where the music happens i mean it's Hmm. it's like 
like you guys were playing, you had pretty varied playlists from Oh, we do. We listen to seventies funk and yeah. Well, and, making uh, eclairs. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, how old are your kids? Lot of jazz too. You know, we we're big big jazz family. So yeah, they're they're uh, one is about to be thirteen, one is about to be sixteen, and then eighteen and twenty. Oh wow! Yeah, I love it. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait for that season. Yeah. Oh yeah, love it's, it. It's so fun. And then um our one set of our children, our son and our daughter-in-law, are big music makers and songwriters. Uh, Sam Ashworth and Ruby Amonfu. Yeah, and, I heard um, that. Yeah, we get to we we love when they send us whatever they're working on. Yeah, for sure. We get to, and we make sure to try not to listen to it right before bed because yeah, it's, it's always, always very hooky. hooky. Oh, <laughs> like we're we're going to have an earworm all night. We'll listen to it in the morning. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, awesome. I am um, Charlie. What's the um, name of your podcast? I'd like you to yes. share that if you wouldn't. Yeah, mind. it's a CT Media Podcast mm -hmm. uh, titled "Music and Meaning." Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah, music and meaning. Our the last episode was um, on Sister Rosetta Tharp, mm -hmm. who I maintain is the inventor of gospel rock music, maybe even rock and roll itself. And so we did an episode on her Awesome. this week, uh, coming out, um, on, well, next week on Tuesday, there'll be an episode that drops called God gave oh. rock and roll to you, which mm -hmm. is a Ooh. visit with a, um, Pentecostal revivalism historian music and music historian, right? Okay. It takes us back to, the 1900, early 1900s and the advent of, of sort of all of the business practices and kind of ethos that created contemporary Christian music. Fantastic. So that's that's the next show. It sounds awesome. And your book, is it coming out on March the 12th, guys? It March is. 12th. And we just, I think it'll show up yeah, we'll backwards show, we'll to, you, but to you, but we okay. just got a copy the other yeah. day. It's beautiful. Yeah, we have yeah. two we, copies. Yeah, so we got two copies. Yeah. And, uh, I yeah, love so that. It's fun to actually hold it in our hands. Where's yeah. Where's the best place for people to purchase it? Well, hmm. we'd love to encourage people to uh, support their local bookstores. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then for those who are like, hi, I'm, I'm open wherever, you know, uh, it's interesting that I won't name them, but you, we all know the the uh, Goliath, the gigantic mm -hmm. bookseller in the sky. Mm -hmm. um, all the book, you know, everywhere else that you would want to buy a book, they all follow the trends that are set there. Right. So right. Right. If, if people are like, yeah, I buy my books there. Well, then, yeah, we would encourage you to do that. As long as you're reading it and you're getting the yeah. material. Yeah. yeah that helps yeah. us. To help and, people. and it is, it, it is on Kindle and, um, and also has a um, audible book yeah. as well. All awesome. of it, all of it. We're in pre-order season right yeah. now. So Perfect. Well, y'all need to get great. out and pre-order it. It's why everything that doesn't matter matters so much by Miss Andy Ashworth and Charlie Peacock. Well, our time is up today. Thank you guys so much for Thank joining. You. God bless you and all that you do. And I'm looking forward to your next projects. Thank all you, right. Marley. Thank you. It's been so sweet to meet you. Yeah. You Thank too, y'all. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Right. You too.